Welcome, friends, to Catching Foxes. I want to thank all those fancy people who wrote a review for us on iTunes. The prize package is not just one book, but now the whole thing is pretty substantial. The contest ended back on July 22nd, and the winner will be publicly announced in an upcoming show. Thank you all for participating. We also want to thank those at CatholicBalm.co for their sponsorship of our show today and for the last month. They've been great to work with because they're great people who make great stuff. More on CatholicBalm.co later. Finally, this episode was recorded over a month ago with a friend of ours, Greg Iwinski, uh, who works in the world of comedy. We ended up taking talking for over two hours, so I ended up splitting this episode into two different parts. This first part today is Greg going on a series of hilarious and angry rants about everything from racism and mass to racism and Donald Trump, also Azalea Banks. This episode is explicit, children. You've been warned. God bless. All the contents contained herein by Greg Iwinski belong solely to the opinions of Greg Iwinski. They do not necessarily belong to the opinions of Catching Foxes, Lay Evangelist, comma, LLC, or Jesus Christ. God bless. You, you alive? Good for you. <laughs> do you have kids? Do you yes. have kids? Me? Yeah. I've been married a year. So you should, uh, by Steubenville uh, standards, you should have at least two. <laughs> right, but here's the thing. I'm better than Steubenville. That's oh, the difference. That's You're post You and me both, my friend. You and me. No, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm post-Steubenville because I, uh, I got a complicated feeling. I went to the visual this year. I was happy to see that it's getting less white. Uh, so, uh, and by white, I mean uptight, can't listen to guitars. You know, uh, how was I believe, that? I believe that, I believe that traditionalism is in the Catholic church is fundamentally rooted in uh, wasp nationalism that people might not even realize, but it's in the superiority of mid-century or like middle-age white centrism to the whole universe Mm -hmm. and the reason people want to go to a mass like that is because it's comfortable for them because culturally it comes from their white heritage and so anything that's outside of that whether it's rock music being american whether it's hispanic latin music whether it's african drums whatever it is it draws it away from the white center of it being how europe did it and that makes them uncomfortable and that's why they think that's the most beautiful mass that's also why so much, but that's also why so, you see so often that traditionalist Catholicism is based in the northeast part of America. It's in the most colonial, the most old school, the most blue blood, the most white guy with his hair combed to the perfect side of his head. It's all over there. And that's, I think that they are culturally tied together. The same, it's, it's similar to Trumpism in this, like, we got to take our church back. We got to make our church the way it was before all these blanks got into it. And it's like, well, what are those blanks? People who have feelings and say things out loud and, you know, (laughs) don't have money and don't go to big fancy churches and have shirts and ties on. And, you know, like, what is it that you don't like about them? What is it about that mass full of Mexican immigrants that, you know, like, because the mass in Africa is just as valid as the mass here. And they don't, do it like a bunch of white English people. So, so, you know, like when you go in Mexico, there's no communion line. Everyone just runs up there. Yeah. You know, in, when you go like in Japan, all these places, it's different. It's just as valid a mass. It follows the exact same rubrics, but it doesn't look culturally like you like. And so then you don't like it. So well, in Europe, in Europe, trying, they don't, but in Europe, I, they I don't, don't like do. what I'm trying to tell you is <laughs> white people are as much of a problem inside the Catholic Church as they are inside of Earth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, welcome to Catching Foxes, everyone. Hey, everybody. <eah. laughs> We're here with our buddy, Greg Iwinski. As you can I'm tell, he's not, he's not white. If you've, been, 
if you've been involved in ministry in the last 10 years, I'm your only black friend. <laughs> That's not true. Did I? It makes it sound like I like Franciscan a lot less than I do, which is not true because I want my kids to go there. Like yeah. I love oh. it. I went there for Easter this year, but I, uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's just there's it's a just reoccurring a theme. It's a reoccurring theme on the show. Yeah, but I, I, I love think... it. I will, it, it is so much better now than it was five years ago. I, I was really really impressed. Really, they did they did Good Friday as a whole scola, okay, but the Holy Saturday vigil. The the Good Friday there were no guitars. It was just a, like a twenty part choir. Doing oh sweet, it, that's doing awesome it for Good Friday. But then for Holy Saturday vigil, we went to the. I took Cassie, my wife, to the vigil, and we did. And uh, it was guitars, and I was and no drums, you know. But it was guitars and you know some strings and stuff. And I was like, that's legit. That's a nice balance. I'm did anyone get uh, baptized? Uh, four people did. Three of them were babies, though. Oh, that's annoying. There were these twins that were that like twins me. of students. It was Steubenville is one of those places where, like, you like I, I love it, but I am by far more critical of that school and that culture than anything else in my life. And people ask me why I'm so critical. Like, I know Bart and I, he's he like, why are you so critical of this? And it's because it's closer to doing it right than anywhere else. So I'm more critical because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're almost there. Other places, well, like, I can't do anything to make it how it should be. They're I, think almost- I mean, it's also important to all of us, I would say. Like, we went to college there. We had, hopefully, yeah. life-changing experiences there because that's what that period is all about is, like, just crazy mm-hmm. crap that happens. So it's like I care about it, like. Uh, no matter yeah. what that happens, sorry, um, like as angry as I get about some stuff, that's where I went to college and had some of the best experiences of my life. And and I made some really great friendships there. So it's important. So it's, it's I mean, it's like family, like your heart is on your family. Yeah. Well, when so. I think about it as terms of like, I, I you know, my time there came and went and whatever is going to happen is, you know, and, and at this point, it's like it's so long ago, I barely like I I only remember the same five stories I tell over and over, but <laughs> what, just in terms of like the, in the weird subculture that we all came from, there's only like four or five places to go to college. And most of those are serious as hell and like really uptight and not that fun or like really wet, whatever. So it's like it, I'm glad that it's there because it's like, if you're a weird hippie or you don't fit in, or you're going to be the person trying to be yourself and figure things out and don't fit in a box and you want to go to a place and being Catholic is important to you, it's a place you can go. 100% and that, agree. And that existing means something to me because that's the kind of person I was. That's who maybe my kids will be. That's who, you know, like I want there to be a place for those people to go to school where they don't have to fit into some box. They can just be weird people. This has been Catching Foxes, brought to you by Franciscan University of Steubenville. Go to <laughs> franciscan.edu slash Catching Foxes for 10% on your tuition this year. Actually, Luke, this episode is sponsored by CatholicBomb.co. CatholicBomb.co, handmade with care in small batches, the most wonderful scents and uh, products ever. They have beard balm. They even have a beard brush. they got a solid lotion bar. And they have lip balm. It's all awesome. But don't take my word for it. Here's my beautiful wife, Shannon. Hey, everyone. This is Shannon, Gomer's wife. When he first told me that he got Catholic beer balm stuff, I thought it was a little weird. Until he realized that he could smell like baptism all 
the day, which is awesome. Now, I don't have a beard myself yet, but I have used and love their little flower lip balm, especially the peppermint one. As a self-reclaimed chapstick addict, I can say that this is one of the best I have ever used. You can go to catholicbalm.co, and when you're checking out, enter in. This is the last the last week of this uh, sponsorship. Enter in Team Luke, all one word, or Team Michael. When you check out, you'll get 10% off. You'll help us, you'll help them, and your face and skin will thank you for it. And your lips, right, Shannon? That's right. God bless. That's right. <laughs> and if you need a pizza... The Papa John's of Steubenville. Yeah. 283-7272. Yep. Two two Papa. Get the so good. university special. My favorite is Luke. Uh, Luke would buy us all freshman year. You just buy us all pizza. I hate the story. I hate the story. Why? Why don't you tell it? Go then? on. Tell it. Tell it a way that makes you sound awesome. Well, no, there's no way. I was 18 and stupid, and you tell this story to people. So what I would do is I'd say, don't thank me. Thank the inner city school that I'm going to work at that will help me pay off my loans for doing this. Then that never happened. Oh, um, and did you teach for America? Yeah, that was kind of the idea was to do, like, oh. something where I could, like, reduce then did my loans. Then I just was very lazy. I was like, hey, yeah. instead, let's go have an internship at a Christian record label. That'll pan out. Yeah, um, we, uh, Bart is going to light me up for talking about old times with you guys because I, I can, in my head, I can hear him already sending me messages about, uh, about that. Um, so, but oh, sorry. I will say the one thing that, to draw him into this, the one thing that he did that I always loved was he would buy a pizza for $5 and then sell all the slices for a dollar and That's make three, and make $3. Genius. He is genius. And now he's. That's why. That's why now he's president of the United States. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was Barack was, Obama. He went to Steubenville. Nobody knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a small liberal art school in Ohio. <laughs> they thought I was an African priest for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I kept telling them I'm not from Kenya. My baptism certificate is from Hawaii. <laughs> oh, yes. I was baptized so, at St. Damien of Molokai. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He, we have our own saint in Hawaii. That he was, you know? uh, worked with lepers. You know? All right, that was great. Good so, to be on your show. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost done with this job. Uh, get the hell out of here. Luke <laughs> thinks that my wife is attractive. All right. Um, <laughs> she is. I think the first lady is very. She's pretty. she's in top. She's like top five. I I mean, way well, to I mean, go. Which is, I guess that I should cut that down because most of them were like in petticoats and died at the age of 40 if you go back far enough with first ladies. But modern era, it's like her, Jackie O. I was, I don't, I think the Laura Bush, people say like Laura Bush. Guys, are you kidding me? You're missing the obvious choice. If you say Nancy Reagan. Barbara Bush. I was going off of like I can't remember what Barbara Bush was like young because I was too. I don't remember Barbara Bush. Oh, I know. I know so Nancy O from photos. I don't care about Barbara Bush when she's young. I'm talking about Barbara Bush today. What? Which? <laughs> she's in what, my personal which, top five. Which categories? Are, let me. Are we judging these people as people or? No, no. no I was no, going solely pure, on their looks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure we're objectifying people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, well, it's an objective list. Said. We're very objective yeah. in our speaking. I mean. Look, I would hang out with the Obamas in a second. Oh, the two people that I want to go and party with is him and old Bill and old Bill Clinton. See, I, here's the, the reason, Bill. Like, 
I don't know if I can hang out with Bill Clinton because now one, if you get accused by a rape of more than one person, I can't be friends with you. But second, like, I feel like hanging out with him, the party gets too much of a party. Like it's really fun at 10 at night. And then at one in the morning, he's taking you to another place. And you're like, I don't know if I should just bail out of this and go home because you're going to like walk yeah. in a room and a Russian guy is going to like chop off a lizard's head or something crazy. Well, you know? dude, the weirdest party that I that I ever went to was a thing just like that out in Eureka, California. And it was in this person's uh, it was in like an apartment pretty much with that way. They had they had a DJ there and I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Why am I here? Who are you people? I don't I don't know if it and it was weird. It was very weird. I just stood there. I was like, ah. then I went home. That's when the stupid yeah. bill inside of you kicked in, and you're like, my, exactly. My mama told me not to come. This ain't Why the way to have fun. Cocaine? I don't know. Actually, I don't know what co- cocaine even looks like. I just assumed there were drugs happening there. Like I did yeah. not fit in at all. Why are you Dude, smoking marijuana if cigarettes? You, if you hung out with Obama, I feel like it's like you would watch a basketball game, probably drink. He would smoke a ton of cigarettes, and then talk about stuff, and then you go home. He's probably pretty. He seems very chill. Like he's not, he's not a party guy. But like enough to where you're like, that was fun. I want to invite him and his wife over up for dinner next next. Oh week. yeah, but like when you see them dance, they love dancing together and hanging out. But they also dance like your parents. Like like, they're not even. He's the coolest president because he's the first black president. But he's not like a killer dancer. Like he's an okay dancer and he's the president and he's the first black president. So we have to be like, Oh yeah. Even, you know, but it's like, he's, he, dan- <laughs> he wears mom jeans. Like he's not the coolest guy, but as a president, he's cool enough. Cause you could like, look, you could watch the NBA playoffs with him and have a great time. That would be insanely yeah, legit. Didn't you know? he and try to like, intervene? Didn't he try to intervene uh, with the NCAA? Was it the football championship to try to get yeah. them to redo how they gauge championship bowl games and all that? Yes, because they well, because the Senate came in and because it's kind of uh, horribly corrupt. Yeah, because it's a super corrupt system. And also because it's kind of weird that like all these old southern men who are coaches make all this money off of free black labor. (laughs) Why? Uh, Why is that weird? It's like so weird because it's like I thought we're supposed to move past that. And now it's like they're making billions of dollars. You know, it's just one of those things. That that one I haven't. But South Park this season has been. I mean, they, that is, they are at the top of satire game. They are crushing. I, mean, I, it kills me that more people aren't watching it because it is what they are doing. Their, their like overall arc is genius. And I am dying for it this. It is story. amazing that they are not being lauded more for, especially now when every piece of art needs to have a take. Their takes are like, their takes are fire every week and yep. are put together brilliantly i mean they know what they're doing but somebody's got to be watching because it's still on so so With did they, we officially start yet by the way oh, or what, what's yeah happened? we're like oh, 20 minutes in i didn't know because i didn't know if we said uh if there was an official intro or is this stamps.com or do you guys do audible what are we doing lisa mattresses who's who's doing this one uh it's actually it's casper mattresses um casper. hey keep talking i'm gonna get more booze see my when i think of a youth group fundraiser i'm like why don't you make something i actually want then I'll give you money. You mean like a like, bake sale? No, like, no, not a bit. Like, here's the thing. Put on a show. Put on a show. Do some talents. Do, give me something back as a transaction. This like, uh, you know, it, I'm a big believer in you don't get what you pay for in a Catholic church. You pay for what you get. 
people don't tithe when a church sucks. Right. They give money when a church is awesome. You make the church awesome first, then they give you money, then you can keep making it awesome. But what if it you takes much- money to make it awesome? Okay. You know what? You know how much money it takes to make a church awesome? $70. It takes $25,000 because that's the first year salary for your full-time liturgist. And that person comes in and that person and your not crappy priest put together some badass liturgies every weekend that make people come to mass and be excited to be there. Then they tithe. Then you get money to do all the other things to hire a blah, blah, blah. Like, look, there are four essential jobs to run a parish. Youth minister is not on it. It's fifth, but youth minister is not on the list of four essential jobs for your parish. So, uh, define badass mass. Fight, fight, uh, fight. I'm sorry. Badass, badass mass. Uh, yeah. do, maybe like this. If I didn't come to your parish and then I showed up, I would be under the impression that mass was the most important thing to your parish, not a yoga group on the side or not your Knights of Columbus or not your blah, blah, like not all of the other dumb shit you guys do. That the most important thing to every single person that works there or volunteers there is the mass, that it is done super well, super intentionally, that it's prepared for and that it is the it is the main thing your parish does. You are in the mass business. Everything else is a side. You have one main dish. It's called mass. That's what you do. So how would that it's look? It's rare you go to a parish like that. Usually you go to a parish and let's cut music out of it because music by itself could be its own yeah. million years of talking about how idiotic people are. But lectors, lectors who have never read the readings before, who've never learned how to publicly speak. No one's talked to them. Maybe have they ever read the reading? Have they prayed over the reading? Have they said the words out loud? Do they understand if they're speaking fast or slow? Uh, sa- is the sound on? <laughs> does the do the volume does the volume change so that I can hear clearly in the back? Because I'll sit in the back because for some reason that's what people do. Like you know, so I can hear the words that are being said when the when the priest switches to his lapel mic and does the homily. You know, like those kinds of things. Does it look like the priest gives a shit when he's doing consecration or is he rushing through it, mumbling, not paying attention? Or do the EMs understand what they're doing? Do they know where to stand? Do they know where to go if they run out or if the line gets long? Do they know which direction people are going? Or like even if do you actually like really need them in the first place? Right. Do, no. do you have and do you have a person whose job only job is to make the mass as good as possible? Because if you don't, what is the what are the other jobs that are more important than that one? That's the most important one. Bookkeeper, parish receptionist. <laughs> I could no, do this all day. Adult information coordinator. Account is on is on the top four. It's on the list of top four jobs. What are your top okay, four? So you got a priest. You got a liturgist. No, priest, uh, no, priest is not a job. Uh, a priest is your. If you don't have a priest, your parish is effed. If your I'm, priest, I'm sorry, sucks, I'm not familiar with that you, alphabet. Continue. <laughs> Yo, you f***ed if your priest sucks. <laughs> That's it. If okay, what, sh- what are the others? I didn't hear the others. I didn't hear the others. You need a liturgist. You need a music minister. You need an accountant. And you need a janitor. Those are the four things you need. Everything else can be done by volunteers. And as you get money from tithing, you can then hire more people. Okay. Ooh. It is insane to think that you can, like, look, 20, like, if, let's say this person is going to take a discount salary of $26,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. So that's two equals $500 a week. 
So you're going to get tithe $500 a week, which means do your parishioners that are coming to mass make $5,000 combined a week? Because if they are, and you can get them to tithe because they're going to the best mass they've ever been to, then you will have enough to pay for that person's salary. And that's your start. I would agree, but I think what you you have to like you can't give what you don't have. You can only really re produce what what you are. So you you have to have a pastor who's on board and who's really well. Those like everyone who is there has to be living a real life of a discipleship and are being a, or are being a disciple and. That's really hard to do. Well, sorry, not hard. That is rare. I mean, I you're looking say. at most is, most churches have five percent that actually tithe. Most people give emotionally week by week. So you're I grew tithing. up in a parish, but I see, I grew up. I'm I'm spoiled because I grew up in a place where people tithed. And why did they tithe? Because mass was so kick ass. You showed up an hour before to get there. But. I would also bet, like, okay, so I'm not trying to, yeah, yeah, one, that is awesome. Uh, Two, I'm not trying to, like, discredit that, but I don't think that that it's not just all how the mass is, but what's the interior life of the of the priest really and then the people who are on who are on who are all on staff because if that's all in order and it now it can be a freaking mess. It doesn't have to be like, you know, it's not like they're like all saints, but if they are really striving for holiness and striving to really have a to have a relationship with Christ, that's where that's where stuff happens, because because you can have a perfect mass, per se. But if that's not there, it's not it's not going to go anywhere. It's got to. Absolutely. I totally I totally agree. I think I'm assuming in this example, that the peop- those four people you have are living and praying and they're in community together, fervently going for something. That this is yeah. a situation where it's four people who know what they're doing and believe in what they're doing and are building each other up in conjunction with the priest to do that together. And they're starting as almost a mission team, like this little team of five people who are going to build something into something greater. And when I say perfect mass, I don't just mean like, oh man, everything was great. It was on time, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, like we're like, we're making sure things like, okay, whatever style the people are going to sing the songs at our church, let's teach them how to sing. Let's teach him how to sing the songs. Mm, yeah, because it all does ha- have a meaning like, no, and, and purpose for the collection. What, so. It doesn't matter what style you're singing. It doesn't matter if you're chanting. Nobody in their regular life is learning how to sing unless they, like, want to be on American Idol or their YouTube star or something. Nobody does that. So if you're going to, like, if you're going to have them sing and mean it, you got to take the work out of the way. It's that same thing. Like, you're not going to have fun learning to play basketball. You have fun playing basketball. They're not going to have fun learning how to sing when no one's teaching them and they're embarrassed and singing along halfway in the middle of the mat. Like, teach them how to sing. Teach them how to pray. Do those things. And they'll be into it. And you'll say, look, we're going to go as far as you guys want to go. Let's do this. Let's all run as far, as fast as we can. You know, I think about... Um, maybe, I'm a hopeless, maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm a hopeless dreamer. No, because know. there's a H.L. Mencken, uh, American writer talked about um even though he was an atheist he always loved the the roman church um and every year uh on <laughs> on christmas eve he would get hammered drunk 
And then he would wander throughout the town of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And he'd go as to the, you do. As you do. And then he'd go to the Catholic church <laughs> there. And he'd sit in the back. And he would listen, because Bethlehem is a coal mining town. And he would listen to the coal miners, who are men, who made up the Christmas Eve choir. And they would sing the Christmas Eve, you know, uh, Christmas carols. They would sing the, you know, different chants and antiphons and all the stuff that was common in the, you know, 1930s in America. Um, and he said that that was his his mo- his closest point of conversion was hearing coal miners who are, you know, the salt of the earth, you know, these gruff, rough people who all of a sudden are singing these, you know, the Te Deum and all these other uh, Christmas carols and hymns and all these things. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that. And that, I mean, honestly, singing used to be uh, a very well, just like poetry, you know, these things used to be prized among not just educated people, but among all people. It was a cultural thing. And now it's, right. and now it's like everything, like, every, like everything important in life, it's, uh, we've stopped doing it. Now we're spectators to the professionals who are doing it better than us. Well, well, but we're not, it's it just, the thing is, is like, a lo- there, there's a million, I, I'm, okay, I'm going to make this point, and then I am going to hijack this conversation at some point. Yeah, you're fine. To, I, um, but a lot, like, we can't look backwards for, as the right way to do mass, at, at least as American Catholics. I went to Rome uh, for the opening, of, well, we went because we had a couple days open, and it happened to be the opening of the year of mercy. And so we showed up and people were like, uh, how, why are you here? You're American and there's terrorists. And I was like, I don't know, because if you die at the Vatican, it can't be that bad. That's got to be some points. But um, but like we, you know, but when I was there, I'm standing there in the middle of this big of the square um, and realizing like America does not mean shit in the church. And we think we are the biggest, baddest mofos on the planet. Like we're, oh God, this is what America's doing, blah, 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 blah. And it's like you stand there and those building arms come out from St. Peter's and you realize it's like America is very far away and very quiet. Like we are not, we growing up here, you think you're the center of the world. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we think. This is blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like we did not create the great theologians. We didn't create we've created a few saints so far, but like like we are not the center of the universe. And what we wring our hands about and freak out about and blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, it's like we're just a place. So is Japan. So is Australia. So is South Africa. You know, so is France. They all are also just as much the church as us. And we get so wrought up in like, oh, we're going to do it the right. What is the thing? What do we do? And we get and especially people like like this, you know, like I don't hang out with Catholic people anymore, um, but I not just because they're not around. But like, you know, it's like you get in those like long four hour conversations where you all sit on a roof somewhere and talk about like this is what the church has to do to get fixed. It's like that's at some point you got to realize like that's not going to do anything. You're going to live somewhere. You're going to go to the church you go to and you can try to make it as good as you can. It's and that's like my really shitty cursy way of copying Mother Teresa of like you can only do what you can do. Like people who have grown up seeing it done well should show up at the place that they go and try to make it as good as they can. Because we're not gonna change the whole world. We're not gonna change the American church. We're not gonna change the Catholic church. Like, you know, like we're not gonna do that. If if you could organize to change the church, Code Pink would have changed the church a long time ago. <laughs> that's a good point. I like that. And now you're selling it. You're selling it. You're selling it. (laughs) 
Okay, so let me talk to you guys about one thing first. Yeah, man. Like, because uh, I look, I don't, I love microphones, so I'm gonna be on this thing as long as I can. Uh, I want to talk to you guys. Uh, this is. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about Donald Trump. Uh, okay. Silence. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and this is all. This is. It's not like a. It's a. It's whatever. It's just gonna be like. It is. This I'm gonna tell you something from my perspective, and then I would love to hear what you guys think. Now, this is. Let's just be clear with the disclaimers. This is your truth. This isn't our truth. Okay. <laughs> I don't. So. Well, I don't know what that means. I'm. <laughs> I'm right, and other people can be with me or not. That's up to them. All right. We're all about so, instruction here at oh, Catching Fox. Wait, what is, is this? Yeah, this doesn't have an imprimatur. This is just people talking. Uh, uh, discussion over instruction. Continue. Oh, God. Gomer, sometimes you remind me of why Why you're Gomer. And the, oh, those phrases are like why. That was me. Sorry. Uh, okay. So, oh, is that embarrassing that that was Luke that coined that phrase? And I'm just reminding <laughs> the discussion everyone. Discussion over instruction. Yeah. Well, so we mean, don't. The whole point of the show is that we just have discussions. We don't. We're well, not, yeah. Who are we to instruct? We're just a bunch of yokels. Well, at least me. I'm. Well, a, no. I'm I honestly, so I don't. I just got tired of being talked at, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast where we were just talking about about things and and perhaps there isn't really a clear answer per per se there's just the crazy yeah. like nuances of life that's the idea behind it yeah also this is i feel like i've listened to your podcast every conversation you guys have had has gone more smoothly than the train wreck of having to deal with my rambling but <laughs> no no just to talk, you should come see me at an open mic it's worse than this uh, <laughs> so this is all I'm going to say is like, uh, one, you can't vote for Donald Trump because, or you're an idiot. Just, you're just an idiot. Like you're so stupid. Any, anyone who's like, like, this is the thing I'm this, I'm going to get, I'm to glad, I'm glad we're point. starting out with a rational argument because you're an idiot. This is, my pre- <laughs> this is my preamble. If you think that like, there are people who are like, man, Hillary is so bad. I got to vote for Trump. Do you understand Hillary Clinton? is bad. Hillary Clinton is like, uh, you know, like, you know, like the Senator, uh, like, you know, like, okay. Like, you know, like the Senator who like sneaks in and is a Hydra, like Gary Shandling in Captain America. Right. Gary Shandling is a Go Senator on. who works for Hydra. That's like Hillary Clinton. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Donald Trump is like the red skull. It's like your <laughs> Hydra. So it's yeah. like if I'm gonna choose between someone who's just a shitty corrupt politician and somebody who is a monster who could end the fucking world, then I'm not gonna vote. Like it's, they're not in the same category. It's like, man, you know what's really re- what tastes horrible? This terrible vegan Nutrigrain barf bar that somebody's making me eat as part of their vegan cleanse. You know what else tastes terrible? This actual shit. <laughs> like they're not in the same category of bad. Like. They're not in the same category. If you need a rational reason to know why not vote, to vote for Donald Trump, there's a million of them that have been written passionately and with patience and intelligence out there on the Internet in the Catholic blogosphere or in the regular blogosphere. There's a million reasons why. P.J. O'Rourke has a great quote. There's a million people talking about why you can't vote for him. Uh, like, or you could just Google any quotes and be like, yeah, oh, I was gosh, gonna say, or just hear him talk. And, you know, hell like <clears throat> so. And yeah, you know, because. That's the whole, and then people with the whole like, you know, like with social issues. If you think that a that this guy gives two craps about social issues 
at all, you're an idiot. And I don't say that as hyperbole or insulting you. You have a dumb brain that doesn't work correctly. <laughs> so and whatever you're doing, you have, like, it's not an insult. I'm saying I'm making an assessment of your ability to comprehend complex issues and make decisions. I'm saying you are an idiot, not as an insult, as an estimation of your intellectual ability. You are dumb. If you look at all the facts and still want to vote for Donald Trump, you're dumb. I'm not, that's not you guys saying that. That's me saying that. No, I would agree. But in addition to that, go on. Is it not amazing to watch the world that people like us grew up in tear itself in half over this? Yeah. Like you, if, if you grew up, listen, if you're listening to this because I'm somehow interesting enough that you wanted to listen to it and you're like, wow, he was way more churchy than I thought. That's where, how I grew up. And, uh, like, church people have been handcuffed to Republicans forever because it's like Republicans care about social issues. They care about morals. They care about things that are right. They re they are like, they are the salt of the earth people who matter and will fight for what you believe in and believe in like letting you be you and blah, blah, blah. And we've now seen that all of that is basically a lie. And 99% of these people are going to, are literally at the feet of Trump begging for VP slots after they said he was cancer on the earth. Mm -hmm. Like that all of these people, all of these, like this whole political party that, that the church, that the right, that whatever put their faith in for all, for two decades, it was crap to just get votes. And to watch this happen and it tear itself apart is amazing. And what I wanted to bring up is I think that the, like I, not to say I'm right, but to say I saw hints of this in 2008 because Obama gets elected and everyone's like, it's over. Like, America is done. Obama is president. This oh, is how democracy dies to yeah. like a whole thought of they quoted that, that stupid ass Star Wars line. Yeah, sorry. exactly. Yeah. And it was like we and people acted like America would fall, which is sad. Because it's like crying wolf, and now it, now we actually have a guy who wants to start a trade war with China and give North Korea nuclear or South Korea nuclear weapons, you know. Um, so, but people hated Obama too much. Where like if you were Republican or you were in any way conservative, but also black, you were like, whoa, they really hate this guy like a lot, and that made you step back a little bit and go, what's going on here? And I think now you look eight years later. That like the guy who led the birther charge is now the nominee of the party. I I just don't understand why. Um, like I I I have gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, why don't I have uh, the freedom to vote for a person who's not like the chosen one, or since or, 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 or like, what if I'm just not a Republican? What if I'm just a Democrat? What's so wrong? Like, there are things about the Republican Party that I don't like, that I d don't like, and there are things that I do like. There are things about the Democratic Party that, you know, I really don't like, and there are things that I do like. Like, why can't I vote? Like, why is it such a scandal to vote for a Democrat? Like, give me one mm -hmm. good reason, because you have the same—like, listen, and I— uh, like I understand abortion, but you can't tell me that that is actually worse 
than the Iraq war or what the Republicans do with a lot of their economic policies or like or, you know, those or, or how they marginalize like women and how it's just all about the great white hype. Like, I, I just think that's wrong. And I'm tired. Of, I'm, I'm really kind of tired of being associated with all of that. And if that means that I vote for Hillary Clinton, like I'm not scum of the earth if I end up voting for Hillary Clinton. I, I just don't I don't mm -hmm. understand how that how it's so black and white. Gomer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm biting my oh, tongue. I'm no. so excited. No, I think that I, I think it is impossible to vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump the 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 fundamental defining characteristic of someone like Donald Trump is that he is an extreme narcissist with the money to aggrandize it you know and he has been the de facto since the 80s the de facto image of uh indulgent um indulgent wealth to the point though that um using home alone too <laughs> that's true but the whole the whole wait can yeah would, yeah do you think that part of that's doesn't he embody to in some sense to some people the american dream absolutely and i was just going to say that the the grand notion of what he did was he is the working man's billionaire. That's at least the the rhetoric line that is out there is that he's the, like, yeah, just if you work hard and you really, you know, the art of the deal and all this stuff, you can access, you know, you can do this. Or if you can't do it, at least, you know, a guy like me who's just like you can do this. And this is what it looks like when you have this is what your hair looks like when you have a billion dollars. It's probably all gone, but it doesn't matter because you can surgically fix it and all this stuff but the my fundamental thing with him that is uh terrifying to me personally is that he says nothing he says nothing except platitudes um he says nothing except um tapping into the like you you know people always say this tapping into the anger the rage and blah 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 hey, tapping into the fears about islam and all these other things he's saying nothing he's saying nothing that uh, and the only things that he says of substance, um, you know, when he mocks the Iraq war and when he went after Jeb Bush, that is the most unpopular thing a Republican can do because he had already tapped it. Because no one's looking at him saying, oh, well, you're really pro-Muslim. No one says that about Donald Trump. But by critiquing the Iraq war, uh, he also <laughs> – it's it's funny, like he did the one thing that Republicans are not allowed to do. I don't know if you know this, but, you know um, – the former head of the RNC was was demands for his ouster because he, under his breath, at a at a talk he said that ended up getting picked up by microphones. He ended up saying that the uh, the Iraq War is a quagmire or something like that, or maybe Afghanistan. Was that was Michael a, Steele? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the first black leader of the RNC, and he was yeah. I like I like Michael Steele. I mean, I don't know a ton about him, but I always liked him. But when he made that comment, I mean, like there were demands for his ouster and all this stuff. Um, and all of these notions that, that constantly, uh, you know, I always look back at it as Americans are on the left and right of the culture of death. But on the left and the right, we still embrace our own culture of death. So on the right, we embrace – we are against abortion and euthanasia, but we embrace war and the death penalty. On the left, 
It's the exact opposite. And most people, I think, are beholden to the Republican Party because they look at that and they say, well, there can be a case for the death penalty and there can be a case for just war, there, but there can never be a case for a just abortion or a just uh, euthanasia you know, um, situation. And so what they say is, well, obviously the moral side of these, you know, like the Catholic voting guides and all the stuff out there, these are absolutely evil. And I cannot vote for people who are in favor of absolute evil. And then you look at – but to me, I always remind them, George W. Bush was a Republican president sitting with a Republican House and a Republican Senate. And he ne- – other than uh, a, a, a meager partial birth abortion ban, nothing about pro-life issues ever happened, ever got resolved. Because the Republican Party knows if they ever were to actually pass – pro-life legislation they would lose the pro-life people in the next election because it wouldn't bring them out to vote and so yeah, you would lose because the swell of vote from the left would be well it's I not mean, just a swell of vote from the left but the lack of a swell of vote. well oh my god all these lefties are going to vote and that's going to be pro-abortion so therefore i gotta go so they always have to prevent pro-life measures from being fully realized while holding out that carrot that oh just if you just vote us in next time because they just won't come yeah. And and uh, so I, I, when I look at Donald Trump, I see him as a pure demagogue. Um, you know, people say he says things like they are. No, he doesn't. He says things that he thinks will a certain group of people will respond that that'll be a you know, they call themselves the silent majority, silent no more and all that. Oh, stuff. God. Yeah, that but is they are it. right. But they but they feel that way. They feel and I yeah. read this brilliant article by Andrew Sullivan. That um, oh, Bart- the the America has never been more ripe for tyranny. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. great because the the main mm-hmm. and Bart Bart sent it to us, our mutual friend Bart. Um, my whole thing with him is he is able as a billionaire to mock, critique, and bash big corporations and the one percenters. And then the the pivot of the article was, and then soon the one percenters will either a fall silent or b get in line with him. And now that he's the presumptive nominee, everyone but Paul Ryan, essentially, is getting in line. And they're quietly now – I mean, they're, some of them are, like, mocking him but then saying, but I fully support him. That's their mm-hmm. getting in line. And that's and what – And you look at – That terrifies Oh, go ahead. Me. No, I was just going to well, say – Yeah, well, I mean, what, yeah. That's what, that to me is what's more scary than anything else is the fact that everyone is flipping – and the only people who haven't are people who have nothing to lose. The Bush family has nothing to lose. Romney has nothing to lose. These guys have nothing to lose. So, of course, they're, you know, just out there saying whatever, um, you know, like like they can go out and say never Trump all the time. But you really see like um, to piggyback off of that idea of Trump is like you see that there's enough of a group of people who love what he's saying yeah. That it doesn't have to be a majority; it just has to be enough to yeah, a vocal, win in a vocal this minority. A vocal minority. Well, it, yeah, because who's passionate? Who's passionate about you know, like who's passionate well, about I, Hillary this, Clinton? What I think is most. What I think is most. I mean, I'm going to be passionate about Hillary Clinton all the way till November now. Uh, but like, it's it's. I I think what really what you you can be oh, passionate. I, mean, I can't be passionate. I'm, I'm not. Passionate vote, I'm not voting for her. I'm passionate about her as a shield to protect us from a demagogue president. I mean, so, but not me. I can't do it. At at the same time, if if Bernie won, I would vote for Bernie too. So, uh, but I I think the interesting thing about like I was thinking about this today, listening to I mean you listen I listen to a million different want podcasts, but this idea that um, 
I really believe that, and I'm going to exclude you guys from the group that I bring up, but this election is a referendum on white male America. Oh, the kind yeah, of the kind of, and, and so what it is is like we're at a point where we might kill off white male dominated America in the next 20, 30, whatever years. And this is a division point in the road. Or they're going to snap back and get power and be like, it's still our country, you know? And that, and, and Trump, if you look at him demographically, has lost every other demographic. Uh, I believe Trump said, the blacks, they love me. The Latinos, yeah, said, yeah. they love well, me. Well, he does. I mean, I saw the Taco Bowl. I know he loves Hispanics. <laughs> Very excited for Juneteenth to see what he does for us, what he's going to eat. Uh, I recommend hot chicken. But it's that thing where you you, you see with him, like, uh, like it's, I really believe he is, he is this, uh, I don't even know what the right, he's like, he's the Patronus of white America. And he is like white male America of like, remember when we were in charge and you could slap a secretary and you could do whatever you wanted and they had to give you a good job and you got a retirement and so you didn't have to give a shit about your kids. That America can still happen. We can make that America come back. So the sixties to the eighties is still possible. Everyone. Exactly. And that's what he, I think that that's what he's really pitching because that Trump business thing comes out of the eighties. The like Trump book, the art of the deal, all that stuff comes out of this eighties wall street guys doing cocaine. Like it comes out of that idea. And it's like, if you want that back, you can go to him. And everyone who is not a white dude is like, no way, dude. Like I'll do literally anything else, but that, cause that sucks. And that's why, you know, look, he's like 90% underwater with Hispanics, like 70% underwater with black people. Like, you know, like he's, I pray this is like a 45 to five state election thing. <laughs> what? I'm oh, sorry. What do you, you think about more? Azalea Banks coming out full in favor of Donald Trump? I think she's dumb as f dude. Why? Just, she hates white people like you. No, she doesn't hate white people like me. <laughs> she hates, she white, hates white. She's racist. I just hate white people the way black people are allowed to. She's racist though. <laughs> <laughs> like and she got schooled by a 14 year old girl on a disney channel show so what like, happened there? Azealia, I don't know. <laughs> oh she like went oh my gosh you gotta look it up it's azealia banks just can't stop throwing shade on twitter it all began when azealia accused zayn malik of plagiarizing her young rapunzel video she went at him with a ton of racist and homophobic words but zayn didn't fall for the trap however the tweets caused a lot of attention online especially from 14 year old sky jackson who was quick to share her opinion on the matter Sky tweeted at Azealia, telling her to simmer down a little bit, but then Azealia fired back by saying, quote, you need to grow some hips and start your menses. Stay in a child's place. After that tweet, the exchange went on for hours. Sky replied, when a no-hip-having 14-year-old has more class than you, worry about your career, get one, with a peace emoji. Then Azealia took shots at Sky's mom, saying, quote, pimping her out to Disney, tweeting for her. Then she alleged that her mom forced her to work with Disney because she failed in life. Yikes, this is a bad conversation all around. She also said some pretty nasty things about Skye's mom and how she will land Sky her next role, but I'm definitely not going to get into that right now. But Azealia didn't stop there. She took jabs at Skye's acting career, saying she's never heard of her before, telling her to get plastic surgery and saying things like, quote, you're just another little black girl who's going to be kicked off the Disney conveyor belt. Plus, she even told Skye she would end up depressed and addicted to drugs. But Sky was quick to defend herself from all of these hurtful words. She fired back by saying she had a career before Disney and she's sure she will after. 
Then, calling Azealia bitter and miserable, Sky said Azealia is giving black women a bad name. You're a grown woman. This is a 14-year-old girl, and you're in an insult war with. Anyway, Azealia Banks is just dumb. <laughs> She's dumb, and and like, see, I we we live in different worlds, and this is important to say because I don't do a lot of church things anymore. So I'm coming right, here right. to be like, please let me not throw my career in the trash uh, by marking me by being a church crazy person, which I am what I am. I go to church, but uh, I'm also not an asshole. So that helps. But like you can call a person an idiot in the world of comedy. You can say someone's just a dumbass. You can talk about why something sucks. You can use hyperbole. You can use logical fallacies like you can say what you want. And it's either borne out by the response from the audience or by someone calling out your shit or like whatever. Like, like it doesn't play by the same boring rules. And and there has to be truth to it. But like you guys talked in the earlier, you said like, well, is this your truth or our truth or blah, blah, blah. But there is something in that, I think artistically and especially with comedy where it's like all I can share is my truth. All I can share is what police feel like to me as black guy who got dragged out of restaurants in Chicago in handcuffs. All I can talk about is like what it's like for me to like be a struggling comedian in L.A. or what it's like for me to be married and not hate my wife, even though a bunch of other comedians do dumb shit jokes about how much their wife sucks and then go home to their happy marriages. You know, like I like I can just talk about my truth and where that comes from. And so that involves things like growing up Catholic and still being Catholic and not leaving. It involves things like, uh, you know, like living out here, being an interracial marriage, like doing comedy, like going to a small college, all those different things. But it comes from that truth. Maybe it's a small T truth, but that truth of that's my experience. And and I think that that actually when you look at things that way, it opens up a shot for you to really understand other people that when you are only focused on big T truth big F fact, big, this is how it is. Like Luke, you were saying with it being black and white, you never meet people who are different than you. You never meet people that are outside the bubble. You don't like, because you dismiss them because we believe we can't hang out with them. Like, look, like, like every issue, uh, like, you know, like every social issue, these political issues, issues on taxes, on voting, on those things. It's like, I've got friends on all sides of that. And I'm totally cool with that. Because I care about meeting those people as they are as people. And, like, if you're a dude who shows up and you, you know, like, are we totally disagree about, like, you know, like how taxes should be or we totally disagree about who should be president or we totally disagree about whatever, it's like, it, it, it's like, are me and you cool? Do me and you have a relationship? Are you chill to hang out with? That matters more than those other ideas. And I think that that's something you have to learn when you come from outside of a bubble. You know, like I spent 20 years living inside of this bubble and there was a lot of good in it. But getting out of it really gave me the opportunity to meet people who are, you know, like do things that like you would never grow up in the Catholic church bubble and meet someone who's a burlesque dancer or, so, you know, or like, you know, like people you would never meet a feminist. <laughs> Like you would meet you suck, Catholic kind of feminist, but you never meet like a fem. You, you never meet like these people, like someone who equal pay is the whole thing that their life is based on fighting for. And you meet those people and you get to know those people and you realize like they're just people. And, and that I think is it's an advantage that you get when you just when you're able to separate that big T and that small T truth, when you're able to just talk from your truth, when you're able to do what a comedian does and just talk shit. And if it blows up in your face, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. 
I, think I know that's like a that's a super long little rant that I just went into out there, but no, I know like because I think like that is one hundred percent why I wanted to start this podcast was because I was hearing guys like Mark Marin, and I was able to go, "You're like you make more sense to me than almost every Catholic speaker that I've ever heard," because you're being so just like honest and raw about who you are and about your own, about your own, your own struggles. And I can relate like way more to that than some stupid canned speech about how, like I broke my pornography addiction. Hooray for me. Like, or hooray for like (laughs) this idea of like, I'm still in this shit or I still feel insecure about myself I, I i just like we have such a there's such a desire i think to because we're called to evangelize that we think that like we don't have to understand anyone that they have to understand we we expect everyone to understand us but we're not going to try to understand anyone else and it drives me insane and i mean like literally honestly drives me insane there was there was a period of my life when i honestly grew more as a person because of the podcast that I was listening to as opposed to uh, what was being talked about in the Catholic sphere. And that's like really honestly why, why I wanted uh, why I wanted to do this because I just thought there's a way these two worlds can uh, collide because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff being talked about and this is a conversation that I want to be a part of. And it just drives me up a wall that there has to be this line that you can't. I have so many friends who are gay that like I that like I genuinely love. And I could give two shits about uh, about debating gay marriage with them. I just don't care. I'm not going to. I don't care. I care about them as about them as like people. And I care about um, like just can I can I can I love them where they are just like how can I love can I, I love Gomer where he is because honestly I'm I'm really getting to a point where there is no difference uh, for me any anymore. We're all Gomers now. <laughs> that's Gomers. that's the name of this episode. Nice. Yeah, it's, it, I think uh, it is. It's just interesting to like to live in the, like to realize like coming from my background, going through wherever that is we were from to do those things and then could go into, I don't know if it's the real world. I don't know what it is, but it's its own world. You know, you, I think very quickly, a lot of the self-assuredness, like a lot of the things that, that so many critiques of the Christian right are true, you know, about being isolated and self-assured and not understanding other people and not even knowing how things work. And, you know, like, it's crazy. Like you think about like this, like, like, so I got married, you get married a year, a year ago. And, but it's insane. Like, like the idea that there are a bunch of Republican politicians talking about birth control and what women should do who are old men who have no idea how a woman's body even works or pregnancy works or, you know, like what an ovulation cycle is or anything. Like, you're like, that's real. Like, this is like, there are just, there's so many idiots out there. And so that's like, like bringing it around, like, 
like that's the thing about with politics and with all this stuff is like ultimately my philosophy on politics and on all on basically all political issues is everybody is full of shit on every side like every side has huge problems and flaws and things that they're not look like everybody has something that you can call out on, on there and so it's like we have like we get so dug into this idea of like, Oh, this is how, you know, it's gotta be. And that's why I think it is refreshing. And that's why like, I, you know, like I, I moved to a world like trying to do comedy because in comedy, you could admit that you're full of crap. You can admit that you don't know what's going on and you don't really have it all figured out. And you're like, I think this and other people don't. Okay. But this is what I kind of think right now. And it's like, okay to do that because it doesn't ruin the, monolith of absolute belief and understanding that you have to have inside of a bubble, especially if you're going to like sell yourself and like go give talks. Well, let me just throw in my 500 cents. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You've talked the least, which is so weird. I know. Right. I'm still nursing the fact that my son fell down a flight of stairs. Um, He's okay. He's okay. He just woke up and had to go to his mom to lay in my spot in bed. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard. But um, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So there comes a point where uh, the, you know, the standard line of comedians is that they are the most free, right? The court jester is the most free because he's the only one in the court that can speak the truth. The king can't. Uh, the courtiers can't, you know, only the jester can speak the truth. Only the comedian can actually call people on their bullshit because the comedian is calling himself on his own bullshit, like you said. But there, yeah. there is this element, right, where being a comedian is great. Uh, Stephen Colbert in front of Congress doing his bit about he goes to a Colombian to give him a Brazilian. And then he does this whole spiel <laughs> about immigrant labor, right, and migrant labor. Yeah. And, and um... Good morning. My name is Stephen Colbert, and I am an American citizen. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today. Congresswoman Lofgren asked me to share my vast experience spending one day as a migrant farm worker. I am happy to use my celebrity to draw attention to this important, complicated issue, and I certainly hope that my star power can bump this hearing all the way up to C-SPAN 1. As we've heard this morning, America's farms are presently far too dependent on immigrant labor to pick our fruits and vegetables. Now the obvious answer is for all of us to stop eating fruits and vegetables. And if you look at the recent obesity statistics, you'll see that many Americans have already started. Unfortunately, my gastroenterologist, Dr. Eichler, has informed me in no uncertain terms that they are a necessary source of roughage. As evidence, I would like to submit a video of my colonoscopy into the congressional record. Now, we all know there is a long tradition of great nations importing foreign workers to do their farm work. After all, it was the ancient Israelites who built the first food pyramids. But this is America. I don't want a tomato picked by a Mexican. I want it picked by an American, then sliced by a Guatemalan and served by a Venezuelan in a spa where a Chilean gives me a Brazilian. Because my great-grandfather did not travel across 4,000 miles of the Atlantic Ocean to see this country overrun by immigrants. He did it because he killed a man back in Ireland. That's the rumor. I don't know if that's true. I'd like to have that stricken from the record. But there comes this point where 
standing back and engaging in cultural critique, like everyone does, can't get anything done. And what I'm hearing often is um, there's no, like, if, if I were to take everything that you guys said today, there's nowhere to go from there. It's a lot of cynicism. And, you know, and it's just like, you know, the, all like, I agree, every side, like I said earlier, you know, the culture of death is a culture, and right and left are still part of that culture, so we have our own things that we embrace in the culture of death. But also, there, you know, this notion where you said every, everyone is full of shit, the, the cynicism is everyone's full of shit, it's all a lie, get rid of it, or just deal with it, or just ignore it, or just make fun of it. What do we do in order to make it better? Because my, you know, like we talk about bringing my truth, and I think that statement <clears throat> by those of us who love absolute truth, um, or actually acknowledge it as a thing, um, that all truth and moral truth is not relative. But at the same time, this notion of I, I have a voice that I can bring. I believe that there is capital T truth out in the world. That conformity to that truth not only brings enlightenment to individuals but it also increases the good the common good of society i believe that a not a stronger church in the sense of political power but a church that is stronger in faith will heal cities will seek the prosperity of cities like you know the exiles of israel god commanded them out on the shores of babylon was like no go into the city seek its prosperity give get married give your kids in marriage like build up the prosperity of the city i think like a lot of a lot of Christians, our problem is we're terrified of outside the bubble, right? We're terrified of it. So what we do is we reinforce the walls of the bubble. So it's not like a bubble. It's a reinforced steel cage Thunderdome, and we rarely venture outside of it. So Christians isolate themselves in one of two ways. We either go incognito and not Christian when we're out in the real world, or we are only surrounding ourselves with people who are of like mind and like values as us. And therefore we're still not out in the world sharing the gospel and letting the light of Christ actually change people's lives. Cause I don't believe voting for Hillary Clinton is going to resolve anything of the, you know, what you were talking about earlier, the, the white man's last stand or whatever, a referendum on white cisgendered males, I don't believe any of that, Ken. I don't believe that Barack Obama is the hope for black people. I don't believe he's the hope for white people. I don't think he's the hope for America. I, I only see the only one that can actually break down dividing walls as hostility is Christ, not individual Christians. I think a lot of times the church as a whole has failed in that regard. But Christ can reach individual people and break that. And so my whole thing is I have this – I have uh, a deep – cynicism rooted in my libertarianism like i i was i'm a card carrying ron paul fan i voted for him like six times in the same election um but the the notion that like that's it like screw it all it's you know straight out of options hillary versus uh trump i'm done i give up i don't i i can't and i know that's not what you said but there's these elements of it where the the critique is so strong that it just goes right into cynicism and then inaction. And what do we do? We sit back and make fun of it, pat ourselves on the back and say, well, at least I'm not one of everyone else. And then uh, I think it's a subtle form of pride that strips us away of our ability to be salt and light in the world. 500 cents dropped. Mike dropped. I'm going to drink some more beer. Yeah, but I uh, – so – Go ahead, Greg. So here's a – from a little bit of a different point of view, like – 
you know, you, you like, you're right. I mean, a lot of people just hide in a bubble. And I think that, uh, I very specifically wanted to get out of that and did and moved to Chicago, you know, and did not know any church people, didn't know any Christians at all. And, and it was fine. They, you know, because I, the people I met were just people and whatever, and I was me and they were them and they're cool with me and I'm cool with them, you know, because ultimately I was not an asshole. And that I think is the biggest thing is like, that's I think the biggest if you want to be a witness, it's like, hey, maybe don't be an asshole. And that's like why Colbert goes to mass every Sunday and isn't a huge asshole. You know, like uh, so I but talking with the thing with cynicism is like. I don't have any problem with cynicism in the same way I don't have any problem with general generalizing because I don't have cynicism in people. I have cynicism in systems and in uh, tropes and in things that we put our hope in. Like I am extremely cynical about the electoral college and the U- American government and world government and uh, and the military industrial complex and the understanding of gender roles in the United States and like all of these things. I'm super cynical about them, but I'm not cynical about people. I'm not going to, I don't meet a guy on the street and I'm like, you're probably a garbage person. Like what I, you get the benefit of the doubt. I'm well, what not, about, what about I, your I, whole so, launching into the Donald Trump supporter? I would say you're totally cynical about that. That them, person has them. made a separate. Yes. Them, because that person has made a choice that goes beyond the pale. And at some point you have to like, if you're going to say like, well, people can decide whatever they want. Like there has to be a point at which you click over and are like this person. I don't like, look, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to Bible thump him and be like, you're going to hell because you're voting for Donald Trump. I don't know that that's true. Like, I don't know who's going to hell, but I, I do know the fact that I'm like, you've made an objective choice that makes you an idiot. Like, look, there are lots of people who I know their choices make them an idiot. Somebody who wears Crocs and shorts is an idiot. Like that's very low on the scale. Somebody who votes for Donald Trump is all the way breaking that scale off the thing because they're actively destroying the United States. Like it's like I it's it's different because it's not it, again it's not it's not this thing where I'm so cynical that I go home and I'm like, "Oh well, everything sucks. I have no hope." I got great hope. My life is pretty cool. I get to write jokes and do jokes and hang out with my cool wife and my cool brother-in-law and we hang out in LA and eat tacos. Like life's pretty chill. I, you know, like it's, that's legit how it is for me. Wait, 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 real quick. You need to call Adam. You need to go hang out with Adam. I hang out with him all the time. False. I have, I hung hung out with him more than you have in the last six months. Uh, I went out there and hung out with him and he said, you know what? I'm really sad. I never get to hang out with Greg. I've hung out with him twice. Well, maybe, and, we, and then we, we hung out for nine hours and did VR. And let, let me tell you, VR is fucked up, dude. Dude, it's Virtual the best thing. Is te- it is no, the it's not best the thing. best. It's terrible. I for touched humanity. a whale's eye. You want a hard tea? I touched a whale's eye. I touched a whale's eye. Did you touch a, hard a whale's eye? Truth. I no, I wouldn't it. even look at the fucking whale because dude, it almost killed so me. It almost yes, killed exactly. me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's so bad. Did you pet uh, the, the ghost? Did you pet the no, ghost? No. Oh, yeah. He made me do that stupid thing. This is what I'm saying. Virtual reality is coming out. Virtual reality is terrible for people. You want a hard tea truth? That's one. Virtual reality sucks. It's bad for people. It. He was telling me that it writes memories into the actual memory part of your brain, not the experience part of your brain. So it's not like playing a video game. It's like you were really there. Oh, so good. Total recall. I'll take it every 10 times out of 10. And. And I've played and I've played so I've played so many video games that I don't trust shit. So I told Adam, I'm like, if something pops out at me, if something comes after me, if something turns into a monster, I will kill you in real life. Did you like, you are not. Did you play that game? I didn't game? look at that whale. I didn't do any of that crap. I didn't do the surgery one. 
The surgery one with the robots so funny. I w- wouldn't even look at it. No. Nope. Did you play the game where the monsters came out? Adam, I want to come to no. your house and play with. I know. I didn't look at the one. No, I told Adam. I was like, dude, I'm like, I stood there for so many ones, and I wouldn't open my eyes. I wouldn't look around when the whale one happened. Closed my eyes. Took the headset off. Dude, maybe it's black people. We do not trust things like that. You put us in a new world. You know who dies first in new worlds? Black people. You're gonna put me in an ocean with a whale. That whale's gonna eat me. You I don't know, need that shit. It's life. only because black people can't swim very well. But if you're oh on my land, I got. If you're on well, land, you the white Texan jackpot on that sense. <laughs> good grief! Listen, it's called one, Daniel Tosh. The, the one that was the one that was good was the one where you had the shield and you could like shoot things. That was cool. I like that. But Adam doesn't fun. like video games, so. Yeah, he's so anti-video game. Don't say anything. He can hear you. No, he doesn't. He's listen. very anti-video game. He's not going to listen. No, he's anti-VR He's anti VR being a video game. No, he's anti-most. Well, okay. I don't no, know. He's, he's, he built a freaking, he worked for a non-profit that preserved video games. That, yes. I feel like he does. He likes interactive video experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Than. But you know what's funny about him and you? So Adam is a buddy of ours who is building go a pee really quick. God bless you. He's designing virtual reality yes. experiences. But Adam is in a similar situation as you. Um, he would tell me that he doesn't know anyone who's Catholic. Uh, when he takes his you know, son to school, he is the youngest person by a decade and a half because none of the other parents. Like, they think it's cute that a 29, 30-something-year-old. Oh, no, he's, like, over 30. Uh has a kid like they think it's so crazy like what why would you do that without having your career established and everything um and they're all gray-haired with seven-year-olds you know and his whole experience he tells me you know we went did you go to that that really cool bar um mash yes. button was that what yes. it was mash, yeah so cool but he was telling me that you know all n- not a single one of his friends are are religious at all yeah and not a single one i of have his, i have more i think i have more practicing muslim friends than Catholic friends. Oh, well, that's why you won't vote for Trump. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, he today he said that that wall was only a or that the ban was only a suggestion, mm-hmm. and that it would be temporary. So, yeah, and yeah. that the mayor of London would be exempt. Dude, I posted a I posted a whole thing from the comments from the mayor of London on my Facebook page. God, so I just ridiculous. like, I look, ah, uh, yeah, that guy, man. Well, see, my problem is I hear people say I, things like he's an idiot. Everyone who votes for him is an idiot, and I'm like. Okay, I understand that, and I, I actually I do agree with it. The people who are the most vitriolic in their response to politics or political issues are the people who are most likely to vote for Trump. People who are just screaming, yelling, oh, the country's ruined, you people are ruined. The guy that I know, the only person I actually know who's voting for Trump, has literally taken shoe polish to his entire Ford Expedition, including on the paint. He stopped writing on Windows, and he's writing on the paint. Trump is going to make America great again, blah, 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 blah. Veterans for Trump, all this stuff. And he literally, I mean, it's crazy. But you can see that he's crazy. The guy has literally ruined the paint of his car to write Trump, right. pro-Trump slogans. But my whole thing is, okay, well, then, I mean, I, I watch talk no, late-night talk shows and comedy shows that mock him all the time. What specifically, you know, I mean, obviously, people say the racism. Well, okay, the sexist comments that he makes, especially tearing down someone oh, like Megyn Kelly oh, and all that his stuff. His sexist comments are unforgivable. Right. They're off, Well, I mean, they're off the charts. I mean, it's yeah. it's insane that someone who's in front of a camera Beyond would that, say the things that he says. And then let's if you get past those things of just him being rude, his tax plan has changed three times. Yeah. His immigration his immigration stance has changed twice. His stance on the wall has changed, I think, three or four times. 
uh, this, I mean, like every yeah. all these positions he's changed on. So it's like it's that thing where it's like, okay, so anything anyone might want to support him for, he's probably already changed. Minimum wage, he changed on that. The what idea of self fund minimum wage. Now he wants there to be a minimum wage federally, and then the states supplement and go up from there. So he changed saying because he originally said he wanted to abolish the minimum wage entirely and make it zero. Now he wants it to be fifteen dollars an hour. He said he was he was the only guy not self-funding. Now he says he's gonna not he's not gonna self-fund anymore. He'll take money from fundraising for the for the election. His tax plan has changed three times. The Muslim ban has changed a bunch of times. Like it, you know, it's just it's uh it was just it just keeps changing. So it's like, why are you gonna believe this guy on anything? Because like you said, none of it has any substance anyway. Right. It's like, dude, it's so that's what I'm saying is like you are falling for a carpetbagger. And the kind of people that fall for carpetbaggers are idiots and rubes and schmucks. That's who does that. Yeah. Uh, my problem is I know you you are being too nice to everyone instead of realizing that, like Plato talks about, like the country is not equal. Not everyone is the same. There is there are a bunch of dumb rabble people yeah. in this country who it's easy to take advantage of. There are a bunch of dumb suckers who will believe things like what Donald Trump says. They believe the apprentice is real. And there is an elite in the United States, and that elite might have a better idea of how to run the country than a bunch of dumb yokels who are just angry about what's going on in America. But when does when does the yielding to the elite itself annihilate democracy? It's getting close. Well, like, I mean, to be honest with you, I think that the country's too big for an actual a democracy to work or any type well, of we've a never republic. been an actual democracy this is a democratic republic and i right. i uh, we need to become more republic and less democratic right i think the yeah. progressive reforms of the 1920s it's... hampered the united states by taking by making the election of senators popular i think uh and by pretty much doing away with the 10th amendment i think completely destroyed what america could have been in terms of checks and balances between the state and the federal government. I would love to see states that 100% have a single-payer health care model. I would, like federal taxes, income tax-wise, I would rather the federal government be capped at like 9-10% and then states take 30% as opposed to the other way around. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. Let the well, states... it, but the expenditures, the defense expenditures alone demands. And, right, well, and that's and the also, problem. Have, we outspend to, the last to... 10 countries. And you'd have to cut into entitlements and entitlements and defense spending alone have yeah. we are locked in now. But I think in addition to that, I think it's more than the Senate. It's Congress and gerrymandering. Yeah. Now, it's not just gerrymandering, though, because something that's happened. We're just rehashing shit that people have said on every other podcast. That's yeah, political, but, but people that listen this, to our podcast don't listen to those. You're welcome. Here's the deal. And gentlemen. What happened in the last 40 years is that everyone moved to a place where everyone was like them. When we're talking about the bubble. Yeah. Like, look, we went Suburban, to college, you know, yeah. we went to a little Catholic college bubble and then I smashed out of it and went to like normal. It's not even normal town. I went to the comedy bubble where we're a bunch of weird comedians like after after know, Phoenix, after Phoenix, after Phoenix. Yeah. And so I went, you know, so I go into that. But so but now it's like these like so Republicans live in this part of the city and, and Democrats live in this part of the city and highway journals live in this part. of the city. And, and so we've now. We're now a country of 10,000 different little camps who have all split up so that we have a congressman who's our – look how many congressmen are insane. Like say insane things that are like, – like not just insane like we can't believe they're saying because they're rude. Like they're saying things where you're like if someone said this to you that was fixing your car, you wouldn't let them fix your car. You know, like you would not trust this person. 
and they say crazy things. And it's because only a tiny amount of people who all believe the exact same thing live in this one little gerrymandered neighborhood and vote for their crazy congressperson. And then you look at Congress like we have now, and it's just like a bunch. It's a couple hundred nuts. And you wonder why we're not getting things done. What do you, you think know? specifically about I feel like the rise of the know nothing party for Republicans, right? Candidate they, now. What's that? They have a candidate. Their candidate's the nominee. Well, it's, so no nothing. You're talking about historical, not the know nothing is an insult. The historical party, the know nothings, right? Yeah, I mean they were anti science. They were anti Catholic. That's and then, Trump. I know, but then we, well, Trump's not anti Catholic, but we have the well. Actually, he did not actually Catholic. attack the Pope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, like he went after <laughs> the Pope. And his dumbass, like, little harpy lady was like, and I know harpy is sexist, but she's a monster, so I don't feel that bad. Who? Uh, you know, like, she went after uh, him, the Pope, for saying, oh, you've got a walls around your fortress around the Vatican. Like, and anyone who's oh, been yeah. to the Vatican, they're wide open. You it's moron. a white line, people. It's a white line spray painted on the ground, you freaking morons. It doesn't matter. I'll live closer to the Vatican. If Trump wins, I'm leaving, so...